Welcome back into the basement, Draft Crafters. We are hanging out in JP's pad downstairs. The dogs are upstairs. and False. Well, one's right here. One's right there. Well, we'll see. You might hear from Zephyr later on. But uh, we are having ourselves a fun little Saturday Memorial Day show. So for those of you that are used to this coming out maybe on Friday or Thursday, we sort of shifted things this weekend because we need to be hanging out. We just played a terrible round of golf. Well, half a terrible. round of golf. Like, was there a highlight for you outside of losing a golf club? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we made last week's American Craft Beer Week. Uh, well, we didn't make it. We stretched it right into American Craft Beer Month, at least in the end of the month, because I feel like we're on a pretty good pace here with crushing out some new beers we haven't had, right? No, it's working out. I mean, we, we definitely can look at that as maybe a highlight from the day, uh, but none of our golf show. You had one good drive. No, I didn't, because I went too damn far and went clean, <laughs> like, in the road, like, over the bunker, what is what's the like Bernstein Bears movie where it's like <laughs> under the table, over the tree, through the woods, the and out house? the window? I don't know. It, it, was, like it looked good. I remember something like that when I was a kid. It That's what my damn drive did. It went straight though. It went straight. It never landed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's straight. Meanwhile, on. all the other ones went four feet. And I tell you what, it was in Neverland, man. That thing was hanging out with Peter Pan. See ya. But yeah, we, we had a good time out there, and we, we did drink some some pretty random beers. We'll talk about those in a little bit. But what we're doing right now, because it seemed appropriate for us to crack something open on Memorial Day, what are we drinking at the moment there, JP? Uh, one of those breweries that I can never shut my mouth about. Uh, it's <laughs> your fault, though, because you hadn't mm -hmm. had anything by them. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe one. But Boulevard's Whiskey Barrel Stout. Uh, I've mentioned it on previous episodes. It is fantastic. It's coming in like 11.8%, something like that. Let's call it a Tom Brady 12, if you will. This is a grown-up beer. And it is good. Dan says that he's going to sip it, and I can't stop drinking it. Mine's going to be gone here in no time. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Their plan was to do two during this uh, this podcast. We'll see if I can even keep up with you. And again, two beers. We're drinking half beers each, so don't worry. We're not going to be too ham-chopped by the end of the podcast, but... Uh, what we are going to do today is we're going to talk about beers that you need to drink over Memorial Day weekend, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And if you hear some little tickety-tacking in the background, that's his effort being way too excited about the podcast that we're doing right now. We do not give him any beer. Don't worry. But what we're going to talk about, Memorial Day beers, those that you need to crush, our little fun six-pack if we had our choices of what we'd put into it. But before we get to that, we're going to talk some football because we, we, yeah, we have not yet finished our early, early, early look into 2023's NFL draft and some of the different position groups and who we're gonna who we're gonna look at from those groups. We're gonna wrap it up today. And that is the offensive line and looking at safeties as well. And one of the things I think we both figured this out This is the wrap up. Wait, this it is, can't be. You're yeah. gonna be rude to kickers and punters. We're not gonna do a kicker and punter episode. We're we'll, okay fine. We'll do we'll do no, a partial. We're not. Come on. I was do you, you want to talk we'll, we'll touch on them. We'll touch on them uh, no well, we can, like, give him five minutes. If we're going to do a kicker and punter episode, then I'm going to specifically do a fullback episode. All right. Fullbacks and kickers and punters will be our last episode next week. Done. We're going to tie in some uh, beverages as well. We'll talk about that a little later on as well. But for today, we're looking at offensive line and then safeties. And I think what we've learned from looking at offensive line and safeties is we safeties we may have an idea on, but you and no, I need don't. to spend some time. I yep. feel like some of the corners <laughs> I said last week will probably end up being safeties. It's tough, dude. You and I need to spend I, some we, time. Look I think at we this. mentioned it on one of the podcasts, but we talked about it a lot in person. But just the gap between safeties and corners, like it's 
the same almost sure. today. Very well, and difficult. that's the thing, too, when you look at offensive line, is a guy that's a tackle in college might be a guard or maybe even a center or whatever when he gets to the pros, depending on his positional versatility. And the Which same is thing. why we didn't separate tackle and guard and well, center. I was about to, and then you told me not to. So no, that's fine. just a line for now. Which and again, is sad because it's one of my favorite things to dive into. Well, and we realized. It's just early. Exactly. We realized that when you look at offensive line, doing our six packs that we're going to do, like a six pack of offensive linemen is your offensive line. So there's going to be way more guys that we need to keep tabs on that we're going to talk about today. But we're just going to get the ball rolling by starting with talking about the offensive line. So who stands out to you, JP, as the as the offensive lineman that we need to look for? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's literally what we're doing. No, this is a this is a podcast about talking about football. It's another Buckeye. Oh dear, he's a top guy, Paris Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. Guard. Ohio State University, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about how good – we all know how good he is. I feel like he's a top guy. There's no reason to really dive into it. Mm-hmm. But I do want to figure out is what is he going to be? Is he going to be a tackle or a guard? I know we're lumping this together. We're right. just doing top O-linemen. But the guy most often is – you know, people are looking at him as he's a guard. But dude's like 6'6", six, six, like 315, 320. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's got the weight of a guard. I don't know. No, six six three fifteen. That's a tackle in my mm-hmm. eyes, and he's good. I don't know. It would not surprise me to see teams pegging him as a tackle in at the next level. I think what you're going to see is a team that has holes on the offensive line is going to draft him and then figure it out later. And yeah, that's what has, you do with a guy like that. Like we're right. going to, he's going to find a spot mm-hmm. and play well. Put him anywhere on the line outside of maybe center. Any of those other four spots, you can put him in there, and he's going to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah. Which is annoying because, again, he's a Buckeye. Uh, who's number two for you? Oh, he was one for you as well? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Peter Skaronsky. Uh We agree again. Continue. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Peter is a all O-lineman for Northwestern. This guy's definitely a guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got decent size for a guard still. I mean, he's 6'4 and just a little under 300, but... Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a shot of playing tackle, depending on who drafts him. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. This guy's been locking I it may, down. I may agree whole... to disagree on that one. He locks it down. He's good. He's very good. He's just your sound technician. It's difficult when you talk about alignment. Like, what mm-hmm. stats do we look at? Uh, how many sacks allowed or pressures it. allowed? And you That's just watch how they lock The old linemen are the definition of my eye, eye test, test. Yeah. that I always say. Like, that mm-hmm. I don't... You can't really dive into that. I mean, right. he's good. He's number two. And again, he's he's six four, and six four is one of those things we're talking about. Neither of us are six four, but apparently, like six three, six four is the cutoff for for tackles. It seems like so he's maybe I don't want to say undersized, but he might be a little bit shorter than some guys want. It depends on where where his arms measure out at, probably. But he's another guy that we're in my opinion, wherever you put him on the line, he'll be fine. I do think he can play tackle in the NFL, but I also think that if if you put him a guard, he's going to be steamrolling guys for a, a decade. So. Right. And I want to say, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I do my best. Uh, let's go back to one. Mm-hmm. With Paris Johnson, I'm basically going off from hype on that, recruiting sure. hype. Did, he didn't play a whole lot of games, did he? I mean, he had a, a decent year this past year, He he, but he played uh, guard. So he was, right. he was guard as a redshirt freshman last year, uh, but he still had almost an 80 grade overall, which is one of the numbers that you can look at. As right, a, but as how, how many games did he play in? I feel like I – he had, I, do I not don't have that recall what the concerns were or what the holdup was, but mm-hmm. I think he's only played in a handful of games. But mm-hmm. so I, I'm projecting with him, but I just know sure. that talent. Yeah, that's a good question. We'll have to look that up and see what uh, what Paris Johnson's playing stats were. But while I'm doing that, go ahead and uh, get us to number three. Number three for me. Uh, 
It sounds like it could be becoming like O lineman U. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who who who's the guy? You know, one of my biggest like favorite draft prospects ever came out of this school. Got drafted by the Colts. I was about to say Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Quentin Nelson. Yep. Monster. But dude, just it seems like Notre Dame's just tearing up the at the very least the interior O lineman mm-hmm. game. But they've had some tackles out there. McGlinchey. The San Francisco guy, mm-hmm. McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a good player too. But uh, Jared Patterson, I'm gonna put him down. Uh, yeah, he's six four, three oh five. He's got that size you're looking for. He's mm-hmm. uh, coming out of my what I just tabbed is O lineman. You very good player there on a good team with playing some decent competition. I mean, I don't know. Seems mm-hmm. like over the years Notre Dame seems to kind of bow out of. <laughs> well, they chickened out of playing Michigan, even when Michigan sucked. That didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, and uh, and I I'm not gonna argue with you on that pick. Uh, I'm not gonna put him three. He's probably four or five for me, uh, but he's he's right up there. And I think uh, who I want to talk about next is a guy from Minnesota, and he's probably one of the best centers that's sitting right now in the in the college ranks, and that's John Michael Schmitz. Just a fun name. You know what that makes me want to. What was that? I don't know. Go ahead and just say, you know what? No, I feel like we should leave that in the podcast. <laughs> My house is it's alive. It's making noises. did something. Is it your wife doing Fortnite again? No idea what that was. All right. Okay. Well, that's get... the fun part about doing live shows. Especially in a basement. <laughs> uh, sorry. Carry on, Dan. John Michael Smith, though. Uh, oh, Schmitz. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Just about, right? <laughs> He's definitely a, uh, a great talent as far as a guy who knows the game and plays well. He's going to be old. Like he's got a sixth year of eligibility he's coming back for because of the pandemic, stuff like that. So he's going to come in probably like 24 or something into the NFL. But as a center, you can still have a decade plus at that position. Uh, and he's 6'4", 320, and he had an 88 and a half overall grade last year. So he is somebody who's plug and play at the next level for at least a decade. What do you got next? So the next – and this is kind of tough because I feel like it's kind of similar to – unless I'm crazy because I mm-hmm. don't recall Paris Johnson playing a whole lot. So I'm projecting a lot with these alignments sure. right now. This year, like I, I got a, the only guy that I remember like watching because mm-hmm. obviously we watch a lot of Big Ten was the Peter Skoranowski, right. however you say his name. But uh, our Zion Nelson from Miami, it's okay. kind of yep. similar. The guys only well. played a couple games, man, mm-hmm. so it's hard to tell. But I just you look at them, you, you six five, three sixteen. Of course, there's lots of guys. Mm-hmm. There's there's probably a hundred and ninety three thousand, and I'm exaggerating. <laughs> But like you know, like all the old linemen on right. college teams, typically you find them all over the place. Have the size. The size doesn't make him a good player. But I'm projecting with this guy based on hype. I did do a little research on this guy. Not gonna mm-hmm. lie. Uh, so he was a little bit off my radar. But um, he he is gonna come in at my four spot. Mm-hmm. Um, what tells what this tells me is I got to watch some Miami games this year. I mean, there's what's a going few guys. on the, out of all the positions that we've ranked so far. Mm-hmm. This is the toughest one so far. Right. I, I didn't have a whole lot to go on on this, but again, I didn't. I don't want this to be a thing where I just go research and go rank what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's tough about doing these early rankings because, mm-hmm. especially when you get to alignment, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like when you're watching alignment, I'm watching for who's going to go in the draft in this current year, not right. t- two, two years right. out in in theory. Because when you're watching the games, two years out. Mm-hmm. So now here we are. <laughs> College football hasn't even started, <laughs> and I'm going okay. Him. Well, dang. <laughs> I watched about 15 to 20 O-linemen in depth last mm-hmm. year, but specifically the ones that were going in the 2022 draft, not 2023. Right. So it's tough. 
Yeah, and we're calling ourselves out, so hopefully we'll sound yes. better next year. Uh, and Zion Nelson's on my list as well, partially because of what you talked about. One thing that, that he has uh, been doing is getting better in, like, solid increments each season because he basically was a true freshman getting thrown to the Wolves back in 2019, and he's he's improved his pass block grade every year. And so between him and Van Dyke, it'll be interesting to see what Miami does this year from guys who might end up in the 2023 NFL draft. And my next player that I'm going to go to on the – uh, on the line is a boy from Michigan. Uh, is Hayes? Yeah, I mean, Hayes is good. He's not on my top six. My top six is actually uh, Olusigan Oluwatimi. From this point on, if that name ever comes up on the podcast, you are saying that. <laughs> Olusigan Oluwatimi, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, he is a a center and potentially guard, depending on the but likely he's going to be center. He was he he played uh, Virginia last year, so he's doing one year at Michigan as a senior transfer, as like a grad transfer, I think, or at least a probably a grad transfer. I think he's going to be a senior, but he had a ninety point two run blocking grade. So this dude just steamrolls people and that's some of the thing you want in the middle of your offense. So I put a couple centers on my list. Who are you gonna wrap us up with? I got two more. Get us in there then. Number five. It's another projection. It's tough. That's what it says. <laughs> but Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I do like him, you know he's a large individual. Feels a bit redundant at this point, but yeah, he's got but he I feel like he would be more of a tackle. He he's got the the build of the tackle, six five, three oh five, a little I mean, I don't know. Just looks like a tackle to me. He deserves to be on this list. It'll be curious to see how he does at a program of that mm-hmm. nature. What are the dog what are the noises I in don't his know, we, It's today? all kinds of fun, man. Just so you guys know, we're we're doing this real and raw. <laughs> We've got animal noises in the background. We're drinking beer because we want you guys to understand that uh we, we don't try to be too professional. A little professional. Well yeah. But not too professional. Yeah, you get more professional as you get like you progress through the season. These is are like the uh, OTAs. Know, let's throw a dart at the <laughs> wall and see because we spend you Ooh. spend the whole year watching. Right, we did throw a dart. The at last the wall. night, you, yeah, I threw several darts at the wall. You did play a little darts, bit of cricket last night. Darts Dan, is not my strong suit. American Craft Beer Week. Hey, oh, skewed his mm. aim. Well, my aim but has yes. always been skewed on darts. <laughs> Anton Harrison, he comes in at five. Yeah, and Harrison, I'm gonna put six on my list. I think I'm gonna slide one more guy in there. Maybe I'm doing seven or eight now. I, I lost track. Ooh, I've lost a page track. out of my I book. Am. Very much so. Uh, and here's why. Because Harrison is a guy that I've seen people, and again, I haven't seen a ton of his footage, but I've seen people talk about him. One of the things they say about him is the dude moves like he's almost a jumbo tight end. So he mm-hmm. is a very fluid That's player. A, yeah. And he's only through a five right now. I've known, I've seen guys. So my best example he, of. He's fluid now. He could probably right. put on another 10, 15. And exactly. still be Pretty fluid for a tackle. And that's the thing that I have fun with. So when I was at Central Michigan back in the day, probably when you were around as well, Joe Staley was a guy who played at CMU. And he was a little undersized, too. Well, because here's what it was. Staley came to Central Michigan as a tight end. He came in at 6'6 and 215. So J.J. Watt. And then they told him he couldn't play D-line. And he's like, well, deuces. You win some and you lose some. Damn it, CMU. All right. But we will give him credit for Joe Staley. Because Staley, when Brian Kelly was coaching there, and I am going to go on record right now and say this. Brian Kelly, amazing football coach. Not a great human being, personal preference. I don't think the man has ever told the truth uh, when it comes to where he's going to go mm, and what he's going to do. Because every time he's gone somewhere and said that he loves it, he's been gone a week Never later or you. less. Exactly. So, again, that's my opinion on Brian Kelly. I've talked to the man before. I respect his football acumen. I don't respect how he how he talks out of the side of his mouth when it comes to what he's going to do. So, that being said. Out of great, both sides of his mouth. Exactly. <laughs> great developer of talent. And what he told Joe Staley, this is a third-party story, so this isn't – Brian didn't tell me this, but a friend of a friend who was dating, the, dating Staley at the time basically told him, was like, look, dude, you can be a tight end and try to struggle and maybe make it at the next level. 
or you can be a tackle and play for a decade, which is what happened. When Staley came to Central, he ran – this is the, the you know, your, your little uh, anecdotal story that I can't prove, uh, but he ran a 4.77 at 215 as a tight end. He put on 90 pounds to be a guard, to get up to – or to be a tackle, to get up to 305, ran a 4.7 flat. He got faster that's putting crazy. on 90 pounds. And that's my point. So a guy like Anson Harrison can probably do the same kind of thing if he wants to, maybe not quite that fast, but he's a guy who can put on a little more weight and still be a great player. My last one that I'm going to put on the list uh, is a guy who's probably more of a guard, and that's Cooper BB from Kansas State because that's just a fun name. And also gives us another guy to look for at Kansas State between Cooper BB and uh, Deuce Vaughn, the, the running back we talked about a few episodes ago. He had a really good run and pass blocking grades at left tackle. He's sitting right around an 80 as – a guy playing left tackle that might move into guard, he seems like someone who's going to be a really just mauling kind of interior dude in the next level. My final spot, my sixth spot. Mm-hmm. Um, dang, here I am drawing a blank on his name. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I, I know his name, but his name kind of cracks me up. You might say that he was a bit before my time. Maybe mm-hmm. he appeared on the map around 1980. <laughs> Maybe his uh, mother was Ari Lehman. Mm-hmm. You know who that is? She was a cook who turned into a killer. Whoops. Just kidding. We're getting weird. It's not Jason Voorhees. Andrew (laughs) Voorhees, the guard from USC. This is what happens when you give JP a little bit of a beverage before a show. Hey, man. Well, Voorhees, like, Mm -hmm. come on. You can't have That's how it's pronounced, right? I'm not way off on that. No, don't take him to summer camp at a lake. I'll tell you that much. No, don't. But uh, this guy's definitely a guard. Um, Mm. He's a big guard. Yes. Just you, I don't know. Is this the way he plays? Mm-hmm. He plays why? What do you mean, big guard? You got he's, something up over there? Because he's six six. Yeah, he's but he's tall. I feel like he plays like a guard. Sure, he could. You know mm-hmm. what? To your point earlier, maybe there's a team you plug and play him, and he goes and tackle. But Andrew Voorhees from uh, he's from USC. I guess I'll spend a lot of time watching this guy. Mm-hmm. More to come. Maybe I'm way off, but uh, I actually think that you could probably move this guy up my list a little bit, mm-hmm. just based on. I hadn't seen a whole lot by him, so this one is based on kind of what I've read and mm-hmm. ch- kind of trying to check out a little bit of clips here and there. But he looks like he looks like he could be the real deal. Well, we're expecting we'll him see. to have a good season because he's a sixth-year guy. So by this point in time, mentally, you should be able to dominate a lot of guys. Yeah, and that's the downside for mm-hmm. me for him. So I guess, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be ranked. I don't think he'll go get drafted real high because, I mean, mm-hmm. geez, he'll probably come in, what, 24, 25 years old? Something like that, yeah. And that's so. the challenge. But, again, the way I look at it, too, is, yes, you want a guy. The younger the guy, obviously, the more you'll get out of him over the course of his career. But especially offensive linemen, even if you come into 24-25, you still have 10 to 15 years oh, if yeah. you play well. Absolutely. That's the only reason I put him – that's why I put him at right. six. You know, like I, I suggested that he could move up mm-hmm. on the list based on talent, but he probably still – I mean, who knows? He may not even be at six. It's based on age. Like, for me, mm-hmm. you know, I factored that in there. It's it, Like you just said, though, it's not as big of a deal with a lineman, though, because they – can play a lot longer at that level. Yeah, and you need to factor that in, but also at the same time not hold it against a guy. If you're looking at drafting I'm trying a player, not to. Well, right, because if you're looking at drafting a player, yeah, if there's similar talent levels and one's three years younger, you're going to take that guy. Yeah, that's a big tiebreaker. But big picture, you're still going to have that guy for a decade, and if you're a team that's trying to compete for a title sometime in the next decade, like, all right, this is still a good player to have on our team. That wraps us up for the offensive line for now. Guarantee you we're going to be coming back to that and changing our minds on different things. Grid As we watch through this season, there's guys from all over the place, and we managed to stay away from the SEC a little bit here. I'm very proud of us for that. But Too bad I went Friday the 13th on us. Whoops. Let's flip-flop now over to the defensive side of the ball, and we were in the trenches, and now we're going as far away as you can get 
to the safety position, which we've talked about, is a bit nebulous because some guys who might have been in your corner list could be on your safety list and vice versa. And there's guys who are slot corners and safeties who are uh, safeties that play way back versus play up. We talked about that with Kirby Joseph that the Lions just took. He played way back. Fantastic pick. <laughs> you are on record with that one. And I'm on board, too, because it seems like they love him there. But he played a lot of deep safety in college. And then and during the rookie mini camps, he's playing up close to the line. So you can put safeties all over the place and you can put offense or defensive uh, backs all over the place. And so who are you going to start off with with the safeties? Uh, I feel pretty confident in saying this is the top safety. Okay. Now, what I'm not confident in is what team he plays for. <laughs> I know where you're going. Yeah, Brandon Joseph. He mm -hmm. played for Northwestern, mm -hmm. but I think you dropped a hint that he may have been in the transfer portal. Where mm -hmm. does he play now? He's playing for Notre Dame, and he's going to try to take over where Kyle Hamilton left off. So I'm no longer rooting for Brandon Joseph. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> but huge fan. Um, watch this guy play in the Big Ten for a while. And like he said, I don't. I mean, I feel like he 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 lined up at corner quite a bit earlier, mm -hmm. uh, but he's he definitely switched over to safety. But either way, cornerback or safety, don't care. Mm -hmm. Between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, the guy had nine picks. Right. You you've either got a nose for the football or you don't. Right. And picks are not easy to come by. He's got nine of them in right. two years, and it's just not just that dude had like eighty tackles last year mm -hmm. too. And I believe he's got solid size. He's like 6'1", like 200. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's I don't know. Right. He's my top guy. Mm -hmm. um, just don't really know. Blurred lines here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Robin and, Thick. Sorry. Right. And that'll be fun uh, to watch because he is in a situation where he's starting with a new team with a new head coach as much as, uh, as their guy was the defense coordinator last year. So how is he going to adjust to that situation? But he – played against you know Ohio State last year so he's definitely got the talent to keep up with the players that Notre Dame's going to go after and half their ACC schedule and stuff like that uh, and I agree with you Joseph is the top guy on my list as well number two for me is going to be a guy that we talked about earlier before we started the podcast and I think you're going to have him on your list as well is Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M who does play at Texas A&M we're clear still, he's still well, of course he does because in the SEC and everybody gets paid at Texas A&M. Right. Remember, Ask Saban. Nick. Yeah, Ask right. Saban. <laughs> Man, I, I I will admit, quick aside, I would love to hear what Deion Sanders has to say about what goes on with college coaches. He said he said, "Don't tempt me," and I was like, "But please, Deion, tempt, please expose the mess that's going on so we can clean it up and make it at least transparent." Again, if you're paying players because of the way that the NIL stuff is out there now, at least just just be honest about it. Like, And again, give these kids, especially these kids from backgrounds, one where they don't have a lot and now are all of a sudden getting a lot, give them help to make sure that they're making good choices so they're not going out and splashing cash and getting taken advantage of by people who are going to rip them off and stuff like that. So the, the NCAA has a huge, huge challenge in front of them, and they're probably going to rely on the government to try to regulate it. But we'll get into that at another time, and I, I guarantee you we will because we both have a lot of strong opinions on the transfer portal and on the, the NIL stuff. Yeah, and all that, I Jess. can't follow it. That's part of your problem there, JP. But – Getting back to the safeties, Antonio Johnson, he's great on both the run and the pass. And that's what is awesome about this guy. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, so he's, he's, he's the right size for a guy who can play pretty much all over the place, slot corner, safety, et cetera. But he is just an athlete who gets to the ball, knows where to be, and is, has got a head for the game. Yeah, you nailed that. Across. I got him at number three. I don't mm -hmm. have a whole lot to add. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know what I would add. 
other than this is a guy, you know, you talk about those mismatches that you mm -hmm. have with the taller safeties that we're seeing a little bit here and there. Right. Helps matching up with those tight ends. But there's also a guy like, I mean, he, he came out of a high school mm -hmm. as a four-star recruit, I believe. Right. He's a four-star recruit coming out with good size. And, you know, he didn't wow me or anything, but he mm -hmm. hasn't done anything to suggest that he's not a top-tier player. So Right. I'm I'm with you. And I feel like there's times where we can get into that trap of, oh, well, this guy was supposed to be great, and we don't recognize, no, he's still great. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I want to make the point. Like, he hasn't done anything phenomenal, but mm -hmm. he hasn't played bad either. Right. This is the four-star guy who's came in, done his job, and he's done well. Mm -hmm. I mean. Well, so who do you have at number two then ahead of him? Uh, it's a guy I think I mentioned on the previous podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't – I think I did, it was when I was just rattling off names at the end. You know how I do. Right. I cheat right? to expand <laughs> my six packs, if you will. Yeah. But uh, Jordan Battle from Bama. See, that's why I have three. So there you go. Oh, well, there you go. So we have the top <laughs> three in some various order. But mm -hmm. I can't remember. I honestly can't. I don't know if I put him down as a corner last time. But the dude's 6'1", 210. Let's be honest. He's probably going to end up playing safety unless yeah. he comes in and runs some sort of crazy 40 and shows mm -hmm. that he's got some fluid hips. And, and he might float knows, a bit. But uh, this, he had 85 tackles or so last year. And then, like, the year prior, like, almost 70. Mm -hmm. I think he even had a – a few picks this past year. I don't, I don't have those stats in front of me or anything, mm -hmm. but um, I don't know. He's a good player. Unarguably, unfortunately, pains me to say this, but you know, year in and year out, the most talented team in the country, and he's standing out. So mm -hmm. it's got to count for something, right? If you and again, we've talked about our Alabama bias. Like if you can stand out on a team that's that good all the time, you're doing something right. And right. yeah, Jordan Battle's number two for my list, uh, three for you, two for you, three for me. Point is, we both like Jordan Battle. We both think he's going to be towards the top of the safety list or wherever you want to put him in the in the defensive backfield. He's going to be there. I'm going to have a little fun with my next one and talk about a little guy who's a little bit smaller. So ah, he, I know where you're going. Where am I going? He's number five on my list. Something tells me he's from Arkansas. He is from Arkansas. We didn't talk about this ahead of time. Again, we want to remind people, we've, we may have similar ideas, but we don't actually run these by each other. So Jalen Catalan from Arkansas, who's only 5'10 and 200 pounds. So basically, he was you in high school. He's like Bob Sanders. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And Bob Sanders. No, who, let's be honest. In high school, that's probably still like 210, No, oh, okay, gotcha. Well, Bob Sanders is better than both of us in high school and in the pros. <laughs> and Jalen Catalan is about that size. So he's 5'10", 200 pounds, and he's just a guy. I mean, he, he did have a shoulder injury at the end of the year uh, last year, and so that's something to – sorry, two years ago. So that's something to keep in mind. No, last year, yeah. There's something to keep in mind as he goes forward if he comes back healthy from that with the, with the shoulder. But he's a guy who likes to throw his shoulder at people and just hit you guys. You think? <laughs> I mean, he only played, as you said, he had the shoulder injury. He only played six games, had a solid amount of tackles, 46 tackles in mm -hmm. six games. But rewind a year prior to that. Mm -hmm. Ten games, mm -hmm. okay, like 100 tackles. There you go, then. At safety. <laughs> and I think he had like five picks in the past two years. Mm -hmm. Talking about a nose for the football earlier. I mean, it's not nine or whatever I was suggesting. I forget what I already said mm -hmm. for Brandon Joseph. But five picks, there two years. That's crazy. Averaging like 10 tackles a game. Okay. Mm -hmm. Undersized. Get it. But uh, production. Yeah. If you can play the game, you can play the game. Yeah. I mean, again, you're not going to match him up against a tight end maybe, but you can match him up against everybody else. Yeah. I like him. I got him at five. There you go. So let me rewind. Let me go to four. Go ahead. Uh, you, I, talk about missing. Look at that. Am I even talking? Is that a English? Little Am I saying words? You are. Uh, a guy that I'm putting up there for the mismatches. Talk about... You know, not knowing if they're going to be a safety or a corner, mm -hmm. you know, I can safely say this guy's going to be a safety, and if he's not a safety, he might 
maybe be a linebacker. <laughs> Who's that? This is J.L. Skinner from Boise State. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're 6'4", 220. Uh, That's a man. I have no idea what type of athleticism he ha- athleticism like as far as mm-hmm. the numbers go any tests will be. Yeah. But if you want to talk about mismatches and guys being able to match up with tight ends, mm-hmm. well, there you go. Yep. And granted, he was didn't have – he's very close to as many tackles as the little fellow from Arkansas. Right. But he had 92 tackles last year and a couple picks. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a 6'4", 220 <laughs> in playing safety. I mm-hmm. mean, that's basically why everybody was hyping up Hamilton. Granted, Hamilton is definitely better than this mm-hmm. guy, at least at this point. We'll see. Maybe sure. maybe you can do something crazy, but uh, I don't know. I, it's tempting. I'll, I'll be watching some Boise State to see what this guy can do. Right. And uh, and he ranked just out of my top six, so I'll be very curious Rude. to see how he goes. Well, you know, we'll see what happens with the big boy. I'm going to go to one of your favorite schools, though. Ah, I'm going to jump jump into the swamp. I figured you maybe. Yeah. It's my number six too. Well, there you go, Rashad Torrance the Ooh. second. Is that mine? Is the third? Oh, okay. I got him as the second. Maybe he's the third. No, you have a second. My guy's a third. Oh, all right. Well, different we got two, two different Gators. Yes. All right. Well, apparently you need to watch the Gators secondary because so, they may light some people up this but year. But here's the crazy thing. I can't really speak to, and I don't want to jump over here. Yeah. I can't really speak a whole lot about Trey Dean III. Mm-hmm. I just know he's got solid size, and I've been kind of mm-hmm. sticking with that mismatch stuff. He's like 6'3 as well. Okay. But I just remember watching Kyrie Elam this past year, and both mm-hmm. these guys, you know, they caught my eye here and there, so that's why I slid him in there. But I honestly don't know a whole lot about him other than he was all over the field getting tackles last year. There you go. So I have to dive into him. But, yeah, Trey Dean the third is number six on mine. Who's okay. the second? So Trey Dean the third is, is for you. Rashad Torrance the second for me, <laughs> which is just fun that they got the, the second and the third out there. And both of these guys were probably overshadowed a little bit by Elam last year. But here's the thing about Torrance and the, the little bit of research I've done on him outside of just watching him is he lined up last year. He had 803 snaps, right, according to the, the breakdown. Okay. 210 in the box, 386 deep, 196 in the slot. And that just everywhere reinstates the fact that the lines are blurred on positions. But days. also shows that Rashad Torrance can play anywhere. And when you have a guy that has that versatility and the ability to go in the slot wherever else, he is going to be somebody to definitely keep an eye on. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with this season. Wrap it up. You got one more or did you get all your? That was six. I'm not going to cheat okay. this time. All right. Well, I got right? one more. Aha, you are the cheater and today. And we're going back to Bama. What are you talking about? I already did. Uh, is it um, uh, is it Malachi or Mackay? Malachi Moore. Malachi Moore, yeah. That's I, my last I, one. I put him as a corner. I say, we're Again, going back to Bama. they're reinstating right. this. I don't know if they're <laughs> – can't tell anymore, damn it. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, so he was a true freshman when he started for Alabama, which shows you, again, if you can stand out for Alabama, you're doing great. So I'm putting him in safety as opposed to corner, but, again, he's a guy who can pretty much float all over the place. And so we'll be we'll be curious to see how these guys get positioned going forward because, again, anymore it really does seem like if guys have a certain level of talent, they can float around uh, the defense. And it's interesting to see we're seeing some taller guys play corner, but we haven't seen a crazy amount of taller guys playing safety necessarily and we've seen some guys floating around i mean it's like hamilton was seen as a unicorn at six four and two yeah, now all of a sudden year. we got potential three or four of them already today right and that's the thing up until now it hasn't been a thing it seems like now if you're anywhere like between linebackers corners and safeties are becoming if you're anywhere rough. between like six foot 200 and six four 230 you can play like anywhere in the back seven correct <laughs> Except for maybe for six four two thirty, unless you can really fly, you're probably not a. Let's be honest. A corner, maybe even the back eight. There you go. If you're only running three D lineman. 
Well, I mean, you look at the, we talked about the Detroit Lions, which we are obviously Lions fans. Last year, they played five corners most of the time, or five five defensive backs most of the time. That's what happens when your linebackers are trash. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sorry. I like Alex Anceloni and his crazy hair. Uh, yeah, I like him too. Oh, I'll give him. Here's the thing. The, and I did guys, like the Rodriguez pick this year, right. so I look forward to seeing if that improves. Yep. And again, we're gonna we're, we're quick quick note for the Lions. The guys they got in there seem like they're buying into the culture, and Dan Campbell seems like he's really. Given Detroit the kind of blue collar feel that they like, kneecaps taste good. Very big on the eating kneecaps, and <laughs> some of these guys might be kneecap eaters as we go through this. But that kind of gives us a a very good baseline of how we're going to do things going forward for our 2023 NFL draft lists, and we'll come back to them throughout the year. Can't wait to see how many players that we named that don't I, have any business being in the top six. For their sake, I hope they do well, but sure. also we're definitely going to see some surprises and guys who just step up this year because it happens every year. So it'll be a lot of fun to see where that goes. We're going to shift gears, and we're going to shift beers as I finish off the last bit of the boulevard. I told you I was going to finish. I was only going to do one for this podcast, but I think we may have to do another one. So I'm going to let JP go grab another beverage while we transition into what we're going to talk about with beer this time around and again this is draft craft so we talk about beer we talk about football and this time around with memorial day two days away if you're listening to this on saturday great if you're listening to this like in june or july well that's fine you can just go ahead and jump these in for a different holiday if you want to maybe save them for labor day whatever but these are more or less our take on the six pack of beers that you should have for memorial day weekend if you're going to go have some fun either tonight or tomorrow or monday or whenever you end up going out there. And it really is a different time of year. There's different beers. So depending on the type of brewery you work with, some of them work all year round. We're drinking a stout right now as we finish that up and move on to the next section. But we're going to do our take on what you would have for your six beers that you want to have on Memorial Day weekend. JP, pour us and start us out. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> D- tell me. We, we got to review the first beer we just had here all right, since fair. we poured a second one. What do you think? Do you enjoy it? First, start there. Yeah, just, okay. And again, answer that and leave it alone because then I'm going to I'm gonna put you on blast. Quick reminder, Boulevard Whiskey Barrel Stout, Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout, tasty. Tasty? Yes. What did you rank on a scale from like one to five? Oh, if we're doing the, the – I would say I'd put it at a four. Okay. I knew you would because it's delicious, and that's why I want to put you on blast. <laughs> Okay. I've never, ever seen this man drink coffee. Nolly does talk about how coffee tastes like mm-hmm. burnt. It does. There's definitely a heavy, like, chocolatey espresso vibe to this stout. If all coffee was barrel-aged, I might like it better. I'm just that's, saying. Okay. That's if, that's that's where you're going. Okay. Hey, look, I've had the Mayan mocha stout from Oddside and enjoyed that on occasion because it's got a little spice to it. I have had a couple of coffee beers that I'm okay with, but the coffee needs to be subtle. And this is what I told people. So I used to be a barista. This is what, what I tell people. Like back in the day, I ran a champagne cocktail bar and also was a barista when I lived in New Zealand. And I learned how to make coffee from Turkish guys. So dudes who know coffee, not the weird stuff that used to have the spoon stand up and stirring, but like very standard espresso style stuff, but in the Turkish style. And they were great at it. Learned so much from them about how to make coffee, less so how to treat women. But uh, learned a lot about how to make coffee. Ooh. And... I still hated it. It still tasted terrible. The only thing I but could drink. But you just enjoyed it. Right. Here's sense. my point. The only thing I could drink with coffee was if it was like an ounce of espresso and like 15 ounces of hot chocolate, then I was good. So an ounce of espresso in 15 ounces of whiskey barrel beer. All right. And there's chocolate in there. So and I'll give you that. Yeah. So you put chocolate and beer together. I can handle a little bit of coffee. All right. And then to answer your question, <laughs> the second beer we have is uh, Lagunitas and it's a mm-hmm. uh, hopic. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Stereohopic IPA. Cheers to the Stereohopic. Okay. And I'm going to give an instant review here. 
Not bad. That is ex- okay. No, not a fan. It can't be an IPA. How? Why does it say IPA in the label? No, there's a little if, bit. If anything, that's just like a pale ale. No, there's there's a little there's a little um, no. bitterness to the back end. Yeah. Maybe they do it light in mm-hmm. California. That is well, not a, that is not an IPA in Michigan. So again, stereohopic is Lotus Hops and Sabro Hops. It's volume four, so maybe they've done this before. This is a 7.2 guy, but it's only 65 in the IBUs, and so it is definitely I would say because 65 feels like a lighter IP, IPA as far as the IBUs usually that. go. So this Man. is this is definitely. But it's got the vibe of just a flat pale ale rather yeah. than an IPA. Well, let me give you a walkthrough of what it says uh, around the label. It says the Stereohopic series channels are nearly. 30-year hop love affair into a spotlight on two special varietals at a time. And the interestingness, that's actually in there, that occurs between the fourth volume shows what happens when the orange vanilla vibrancy of Lotus meets the creamy tropical complexity of Savro. Tell us what y'all think. And there's also a dog with 3D glasses. You know what I think? You know how Huma's got Huma and it's got a little Huma? This is a little This is a little. This is more news. like a little Huma than it yeah. is like Huma. So, again, for those of you that aren't a huge fan of IPAs. You kind of like them, but you don't want them to be too this would smacking be, in This face. would be your jam. Stereohopic is a very, very chill IPA in the sense that, because again, IPAs you expect, it's going to smack you in the face with hops. This did not. No. This this like brushed brushed you with a breeze of the hops. Although maybe it could be because I'm throwing it on a palate that's coated in chocolate and espresso too. No, because I've had a few drinks of it now. And yeah. There's a little bit to it because again, you know, because a lot of the times, again, with IPAs, those of you who don't drink a ton or those of you who do, hopefully you agree with us, but you you don't usually get the bitterness right away. It's like on the back end is where the bitterness usually comes in in a good way for an IPA. And this one has just a very tiny little bit of bitterness on the back end, but it doesn't really hold up too much. It just sort of melts away. So again, not a bad thing. But if you're hoping for something big and bold, this isn't big and bold. This, this is, is like very... two seven five on, on a scale from. I'm gonna give it a five. three because I do think it it fits what it wants to do. You just want it to do something else. Yes. <laughs> so that's a great segue into us talking about what you would like to crush for Memorial Day weekend. What is gonna start off your six pack if you had the choice for Memorial Day weekend? I want to make it a point that I did not cheat on the old Lyman six pack or the safety <laughs> six pack. You're gonna cheat on this one, aren't you? I'm gonna cheat. All right. A couple times. Yeah. Uh, I'm my Memorial Day six packs. It's going to start with grapefruit IPAs. Insert Ooh. your f- one of mm-hmm. preference. You know, Which is we've already you. listed a lot here. Well, if I my pro- stash bender, the the one you can yeah. never find, other than maybe <laughs> in like a holiday mm-hmm. gift pack from Shorts or something every two years. But right. I don't know, like a hop stash stash bender from Shorts or. Mm-hmm. The grapefruit sculpin. We we talked about all those. There's right. n- I'm sure every state probably has a grapefruit IPA, and they're not. They're all. I really enjoy them. I mm-hmm. don't know what it is about a grapefruit they, IPA, but the flavors blend well because grapefruit has that bitterness to it, yes. and IPAs have the bitterness. And that's to what it. I like. That's yeah. the profile I like is bitter and tart, and not it's almost- sour. <laughs> which maybe I'm wrong. We'll talk about that later. Maybe I do like sour. Well, you like some sours, but yeah, the grapefruit and the bitterness and the tartness, but it still ends up working well together. It's almost like two really bitter things that come together to make something amazing. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And so Sculpin is probably so, the easiest one for you to find from Ballast Point across the country, probably. Yeah. yeah. More we so talk than, about it all the time. Yeah. More so than Perrin has a great grapefruit IPA, but mm-hmm. that's more Michigan. And I'm sure there's other, again, other berries where you can yeah, find Yeah. I'm that. sure you, I'm sure every like decent brewery in any state has mm-hmm. a grapefruit IPA. They're become, I feel like that's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know it, but I feel like it's true. It, well, I feel like it's going to be true if it isn't yet, because again, I think a and lot of places. If it doesn't, places, it needs to be. A lot of places are catching on to that. For me, I'm going to start off with some kind of wheat beer, like like those fruity kind of wheat beers. It just seems like it's good for this time of year. And so, being a Michigan person, it's Oberon. We talked about Oberon ah. before. We're going to talk about Oberon. 
you know, ad nauseum through the summertime because it's it used to be like when when Bell's first released Oberon, it was like a summer beer, so it was like May to August or Correct. whatever. Now they release it in March because so many people love Oberon. Now, not the tropical Oberon. We talked about that. That's a bit funky chicken. For those of you who really like tropical weird fruit flavors, go for it. But I did not like it. Neither did JP. But the straight up Oberon, slice of orange, slice of blood orange, if you can get it, you will be a happy person. And it really does fit well because of that fruit driven wheat side of things. It's a very easy drink. It's a wonderful thing to grab when it's warm out. And it's going to be warm for this Memorial Day for a lot of the country. Number two for me is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And I, my initial thought was, well, Brown was like, dude, we talk about Oberon on every episode, but it's hard <laughs> not to because it's the good. the release the week that in Michigan when Oberon's released is essentially like a damn holiday. It's a party. Yeah, like everybody's, like, oh, did you get the, you get this year's mm-hmm. Oberon? You know, like everybody rushes the story. Came out, so this year it's like a thing, man. This year I actually had two Oberons from last year that I wanted to compare the two of them, and here's what I can tell you. The, the 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 earlier you get it, the better. Like the new Oberons are obviously better than the old Oberons, but even a year ago, it still tasted all right. Surprising. I wouldn't guess that. But I'm going to stick with the same brewery. Okay. And it's almost as big of an event. Okay. <laughs> and just tasting the stereo hopic mm-hmm. and me talking about how. How chill it is? Yeah. Okay. What do you think the name of the, the Bell's Michigan beer is that I'm about to say? Is it. Complete opposite it, of this does beer. Does it have a couple of hearts in it? Let's just say it's called Hop Slam. Oh, yeah. That one too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is what I am used to. Mm-hmm. When you taste it, it's like a hop slam to your tongue <laughs> and that's what i like that's what i'm used to so mm-hmm. that it is what it's supposed to be and the reason that i put this one in here is because i feel like hop slam comes out a little before mm-hmm. oberon even though i feel like the the release dates kind of back up a little bit each yeah. year it's kind of because people are impatient right but um also for me mission. it's like when i get around memorial day i'm like oh it's gonna be really tough mm-hmm. like to find hop slam anymore because it's like that window's closing so it's like I better go get my last six or a hop slam before it's gone till next year. Right. So yes, it would be in my six pack. Well, and also in Michigan, we just want it to be warmer earlier. Most people, not you and I, not me. Everybody else wants it to be warmer sooner, so they they're moving up the. I wish I could beer. just go from fall to winter, fall to winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Be great. Well, Maybe like a week or two of summer. Exactly. You still need a couple Skip weeks. Skip spring where you can, full right. on. If, if we could just dry out the earth a lot faster and not have to deal with a month of mud, it'd be great. But that's what you get in this part of the country. And again, other parts of the country are like, what are you talking about? It's always nice. Good for you. Moving on. Uh, my next one, I'm going to stay in the IPA vein, and that's some kind of IPA. You definitely need to have one in there because of just how bright and fun they are. And I'm going to go with the session style, and I'm going to go with one we talked about ad nauseum as well. One of my favorites. The all-day IPA. As both there the dogs is come the down chit, to join chit, us. Chit, chit on the wood floor. <laughs> all the do- both the dogs coming down to check out the IPAs with us. Uh, all-day IPA from Founders. It's easy to find. The all-day series they have now. They have a session along with just the normal session IPA. Plus, they've got a hazy. So you're good to go. Founders, all-day IPA, or the all-day varieties. I think that's a really good choice to have in your pack. What do you got for number three? Number three. This, uh, you know, it seems how I'm talking about this stereohopic. In depth mm-hmm. here, I guess. Well, not at nauseum, is what I should say, because I'm not impressed, man. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with an actual pale ale that tastes more like an IPA than this one that's apparently an IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with Dark Horse Brewing. Ooh. Oh, you remember how we talked about you buy you you buy there. you buy a, a beer just by the name of it? Yeah, Scary Jesus Rockstar. Yep. <laughs> so this is just pale ale. It tastes more like an IPA than the stereohopic, as I've said, but mm-hmm. um. What a weird combination. Apricot and chamomile? Somehow it works. If you told me that, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'd pass. Right. 
Fantastic. But, Definitely one of my like early spring like favorite beers, even though I can barely find it anymore, even though it's made in Michigan and I'm in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Still, don't think I've actually had it in about since last year. I don't yeah. even know if I had it last year. Mm-hmm. It's tough. What's Dark Horse doing? But I know Dark Horse also kind of sold somebody else. I think one of the breweries in Detroit, like Roke or something, or Royal Oak Brewing. Yeah. I think Roke. they bought them. So okay. I don't know, hopefully they didn't change anything. We're going to have to look into that. Yeah, we'll have to have a little chit chat. But we do like some of what. Uh, what they do over there at Dark Horse as well. And I almost put a Dark Horse in here. I'm going to steer clear of them for now as Zephyr comes up here with his toys. Hey, you hear that? That is that is a dog toy oh, on no. our podcast. And that's just kind of what happens, man, when you got two dogs and the wife upstairs, in your case, JP, uh, who's playing some games. He's probably going to steer the dogs up northward. But we're having just this is what happens when you do a live show. And it's way more fun to do it this way, I'm sorry, uh, than the other ways that we do things. So I'm going to go in a totally different direction uh, from what we've talked about so far and talk about one that we've already had. Literally, the one we just had today, I put in the list. It's the Whiskey Barrel Stout. It is from Boulevard, which, again, we talked about being a barrel-aged imperial and you might think that a stout is a weird thing to have as you get into the warmer weather, but what it is, and this is where I'm going to have my whiskey barrel stout if I'm not doing a podcast, it's by the fire. It's a great fire beer, a beer of that nature, whether it's a dragon's milk, whether it's something that's darker and earthy and just tasty that you can just sip by the fire. I'm having the Boulevard Whiskey Barrel Stout. I recommend you get something dark and tasty for the bonfire that you're going to have over the course of this weekend. You ready for my number four now that I got squeaky toy dogs out of here? <laughs> yep. Okay. Number four, going to another one of my staple breweries, but it's a dogfish head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flesh and Blood IPA. Oh, the blood orange one? Well, there's two different ones, and I was actually torn uh-huh. between the two. So I'm not going to lie. I cheated. I went to my untapped to see which one I ranked higher, and apparently Fair. it was the Flesh and Blood IPA. Hey, that's slightly taking... above. You're taking notes. It's fine. Yeah. But, dude, it was... It... You know how, like, every time I talk about drinking an Oberon, I have to have the blood orange right. in it? This has the blood orange in it. Yeah, so it's not a wheat. It's more like an IPA that already has the blood orange in it. There love you go. it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm surprised you don't have all IPAs for yours. It's close. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's close. I tried to keep a variety, which is why I'm going to go completely opposite from what I just talked about with the stout and go for a goes. Now, the goes style mm. is not, again, you're not a huge fan of those. I don't mind them. It's very much a summer beer for me. It is a lighter flavor. It's a bit fruity. It's not quite a sour, but it's in that ballpark, depending where you're going. And there's two different ones that I think I'd probably put in there. And some people might call these sours. Uh, I'm going to talk about sour in a minute. But the one by Shorts and one by Founders. Shorts has the, the Pink Floydy, which is the Snuffleupagus. Is that what you call it? The Pink Floyd Snuffleupagus, because I can't say it. What is it? What is it? I honestly don't know how to pronounce it that well, but it basically and I flip-flop has... flip-flop it, because it's really like Snuffleupagus Pink Floyd yeah, or something, Yeah, Snuffleupagus right? Pink Floyd, yeah. And it basically looks like there's this crawfish or whatever on the, the label. It's very bonkers, but the flavor is great. And Brad, who you've heard on our podcast uh, back during the NFL draft, loves that beer. And so he will crush that one, and I'm sure he'd be on his list as well. But Green Zebra is another really good one that has uh, a bit of a, a watermelon cucumber sort of vibe to it that is incredibly easy to drink. It's a low alcohol one, like about 4.5% or whatever, and you can just smash through a whole pack of Green Zebras and not be worried about it throughout the course of your weekend. So that's another good one. Something in the goes range would be in my number five. Number five for me. You ready for mm-hmm. this? So I've only actually had this beer one day of my entire life. <laughs> but we we all had it, and we had mm-hmm. copious amounts of it. Oh. 
Remember that story that we won't uh, um, ever share, like the bachelor party of mine? I mean, well, there's Brewery. plenty of stories. Remember a weird beer called Lord T. Ferguson that oh, we had geez. right around this time of year? <laughs> it's been a minute. I'm cheating and sneaking this one in here. Just because I haven't ahead. mentioned Schwartz, Lord T. Ferguson. There you go. All I remember about it is that we, like, all t- like 12 of us couldn't stop talking about how delicious this mm-hmm. was. We had it right at Schwartz Brewery. Right. Okay. Don't think they've ever released it outside the brewery. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I can say, other than I just remembered it being incredible, apparently, to all 12 of us, Mm -hmm. is that it was a hybridized, or I don't know what word I'm looking for, Mm -hmm. a hybrid Huma. Right. Which we all know how much I love Huma. (laughs) So I had to sneak it in. Mm -hmm. Lord T. Ferguson, let's go. But that does make a good point. Uh, For those of you that are near a brewery or can get to a brewery for a weekend like this or whatever, this is your opportunity to try something funky and new because there's always beers at breweries at your local place that you want to check out that you're not going to find anywhere else. They won't let them get out of there. So you may have to get them to just make a a crowler or a growler, you know, like the the 32-ounce cans they can make, whatever. Get them to make you one and then go go and take that out because that's obviously acceptable for a six-pack. If you can go to a place and get them to give you one of their their taproom favorites to throw in there, then, then go to town. I mean, again, I live in Grand Rapids, which has got Founders and Perrin and and Brewery Vivant and GRBC. It is literally well. Here's the funny thing about why it's called Beer City. They had they won a contest. They tied in like 2013 and they won it in 2014 and they stopped the contest after that. It's like we're Beer City. We're just keeping it. We got the title. No one else gets it. Uh, but, yeah, so it's easy for me to go find a bunch of random ones that I can find from a tap room. For those of you that aren't in a city that can do that, either find your way to one or, you know, do your best to try to find some of the funky ones that are out there. But if you're in a city that has a good brewery, especially ones we talked about, Boulevard, we talked about Prairie Artesian, et cetera, stuff like that, go and check out some of the random stuff they've got in there and have that as your one-off and your six-pack. We're not going to talk about those too much, though, because we understand those aren't beers you can find all over the country. But it's it's it will behoove you to go go try those out and then you need to let us know which ones you try out so that we can tell other people to keep a lookout for these beards or to stop at those places when they're you know traveling to wherever they might be number five for me is number six for me just kidding my last I'm one on six too we're both on our last ones some kind of sour for me you gotta have some kind of sour beer it doesn't have to be crazy over the top sour but it needs to be something tart that'll just get your palate rolling. And you can have it at the beginning, you can have it at the end. Usually, I'd probably, with the ones that I've talked about, the, the Boulevard Whiskey Stout would probably be the end of the night, right? But the, the sours, especially in the middle of the day, if you're by the beach or if you're just hanging out with friends and it's sunny and it's bright, it's a great way to have a beverage when it's not too over the top with the, the alcohol content as well. And you know what we found out in the last week? Prairie Artesian Ales, who you have talked about from Oklahoma, is quickly becoming one of our favorite breweries. You already was, but for me as well. They do a really good job on sours. But the, here's the problem. What's the problem? They were one of my favorite breweries because I talked about how they just knocked stouts out of the park. Right. Guess what my notepad literally says for six for me? What do you got? Apparently Prairie Artesian Ale Sours. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and again, we didn't talk I about I do not this. like sours. But no. I had two. I had three sours by Prairie. Mm-hmm. Two were actually really, really good. The other one I did not care for. Still. But either way, I don't like sours, and I liked two out of three that we randomly picked up. Mm-hmm. And so, we, and you, did randomly, you talk about them? Did no, I like black right out now. right there? I'm going to right now because you randomly picked one up last week that I then grabbed as well because I thought it was yeah so the, the peanut butter squeeze thing that peanut I thought squeeze. was a damn porter. Yep. And then I read butter. the can. I was like, how how can you have a peanut butter sour? It mm-hmm. doesn't even make any damn sense. And what we found out was the sour was, was mostly 
Sour was mostly the fruit end of things. It looked like grape. It looked like grape jelly that had been thinned out and put in a can. But because it tastes of, like raspberry, be, right? Exactly. Because of the peanut butter, though, I think that that was what made it creamier and yeah, it had it a little residue. So yes. it had like a peanut residue, like smooth, on the glass, silky like vibe to it, like milk exactly. almost. And so that was that one. Now then, there was one that I picked up because I decided let's be bonkers and have some fun this weekend, and that was the Cleveland Cowboy, which I don't even know why they went that route with it, but it basically if you tasted, drink a sour and fall. Mm-hmm. If you made fall sour That's a and put it in a sour. can, it is this. And that one's a campfire sour. What did you say sour. it was? It's like a baked cherry pie? It was it's like, like with cinnamon? Those of you who have ever been, yeah, with the cinnamon as well. Those of you who have ever been camping, you know, you do marshmallows, you do the s'mores, et cetera. But then there's people who do, some people call them pudgy pies, some people call them hobo pies, whatever. The point is what you do is you've got the pie irons. So you've got these these two pieces of metal. You stick some bread, you stick some pie filling, some butter on the bread, stick it in the fire, and you got yourself a little pie when you come out of it. That's what it tasted like. Cherry pie filling in a little pie fire guy and that's what it tasted like the cleveland cowboy from prayer artesian nails i would definitely put that in my my six pack or something along those lines from well, them, i like got i like the the peanut butter squeeze a little better sure but the other uh, third one though the ace not making it no the, well the ace was more of a farmhouse one as well not and sure. i'm gonna i'm gonna give prairie the benefit of the doubt because that one was on a shelf at a place that i go to in grand rapids rishi's is awesome by the way for those of you and we don't get paid by them either but they do a great job they're good people there they, they do a nice job of, of giving you a lot of things to choose from but that one was sitting on a shelf i saw it. why not i put it in the fridge brought it here it stayed warm it got warmed up a little bit and then went back in the fridge again so i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe that one was got a bit funky on us but prairie teach nails they're sours apparently they do a good job that's literally my notes apparently there you go. Prairie sours. So that kind of wraps us up. That gives you, you an does. idea of what you should be drinking on Memorial Day. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up and get through our weekend and have some fun? Yeah, I just want to skip ahead and foreshadow. Oh, bit. go ahead. Foresha- foreshadow away. I think on our next episode, we're going to. It seems how we. You came we, up with the idea. So go yes, ahead. I did come up with the idea. I felt like we acknowledged, I acknowledged, and then John, Dan then acknowledged the fact that I acknowledged <laughs> that. Uh, it appears we're a little too biased towards Michigan, but we really hadn't found anything to challenge it. So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we are going to do a flight fight, if you will. Did we just make something up on the spot? Is that what we're going to call it? Well, flight fights. We, we talked about this ahead of time. We're going to make oh, it that. I think okay. Flight fight? Yeah, and, and this is going to be something. This is flight fight round one. We're going to have so many rounds so of we're these. So gonna, we're going to pick like six or seven or so yep. like Michigan IPAs. Yep, flight the flagships. Figure out like two or three mm-hmm. that are like, the kings, if you will. Right. Or queens. Mm. I don't know. We don't judge. Yes. But, uh, and then maybe later down the road, we can introduce some like top IPAs from other states and see how they stack up and taste them blind and see which ones taste and better. And we're I don't not, know. we're not just going to do IPAs. So this is something. No, we'll go with everything. This idea stemmed from the pumpkin war that right. I talked about. Which is going to happen. In yes. the fall. But also it stems from what's behind you right now. Those of you who obviously haven't seen a picture of JP's basement, he has like 30-some-odd bourbons on the wall behind there's, him. There's 64. 64 bourbons <laughs> on the wall behind him. And we've done whiskey wars where we're battling different things because you see different shows and YouTube stuff like that. And we're testing them out because you really don't do. Some of them are really expensive, so you want to challenge them against other ones. So here's the thing. With these flagship IPAs that we're going to do, one from Founders, we're going to do one from several other breweries, we're just going to stick to six. There's way more than six in Michigan. But we're going to we're going to basically line these guys up as a blind taste and say, this is the best. That's the best. See how they compare to each other, because there's all the publicity for this one or that one. But when you get down to it and taste them, which one stands out? That's going to happen on our next episode as one chunk of the episode. There's no doubt we're going to have a lot of fun tasting those. Agreed. Can't wait. 
In the meantime, we want you guys to get through your Memorial Day and remember why we celebrate Memorial Day. It is not so we can drink beer. It is not so we can cook out. We enjoy doing that stuff. But uh, mad props to everybody who's ever served for the armed forces here in the United States and in other countries as well. But what I tell people is you don't have to agree with where the military gets sent. I don't think most of the people who work in the military always agree with where they get sent and what they do. But just remember, your ability to complain about that is because of what they do. Because in other countries, you try to complain about things, you get put in jail. Thankfully enough, here, for the most part, we're still good on that. And we like to continue that way because we love the freedoms we have in this country. So thank you again to everybody who served uh, for the military throughout the course of their lives, whether it was just for a little while or for your entire career. We respect that, we appreciate it, and we say a happy Memorial Day to all of you.